Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <gasps> Welcome. No! no! <laughs> Keep going. Welcome to Food for Thought, <laughs> a podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, <laughs> culture, what we like to read, <laughs> and who we like to read. Food for Thought, as always, the most important meal of the day. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm Tommy Teeps Pico. I'm an indigenous American poet, editor, and I won a motherfucking wh- whiting award. Ask me how it feels. Ask me how it feels. How does it feel? It feels like $50,000. That's how it feels. You better get your coin, <clears throat> you know? I'm Fran. I'm a writer, editor, and in my biopic, Fran is played by none other than Laura Dern. <laughs> yes. And own face? Oh, and, you just oh, made you everything complicated. Why'd you have to make it t- complicated? I don't, think, I don't think she has to look like Fran in order to play Fran. Yeah, it's the attitude. It captures my It actually, even the way she carries her body, it's so true. Okay. Anyway, and I'm Dennis Norris II. And yeah. I'm a reader, writer, and former figure skater, and... I'm a little teapot, but I like a big spout. Oh! oh! Up! Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're we're actually done. Catch us at season three in four months. Yeah. <laughs> I am Joseph Osmondson. I'm a scientist, nonfiction writer, subtop, and I slept with Dennis this weekend. <gasps> actually. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, actually. True story. I can't handle this. I, I think that's a bit of a leap. It's but not. We'll get there. So what? Harley, how your angels get down like that? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, what had happened was not disclosure. We were at a conference. Uh-huh. I was staying in a hotel room with a shared king bed. Dennis and we were all drinking. King bed. A California king. We were we were all out drinking. Just everyone's has drinking. To get her drink on. And so we came back to the bed for the hotel room for a nightcap. And we have a drink, and we go to bed, and it's me and another poet and Dennis. And I go, you know, it's three queens and a king. It's fine. It's fine. Normal. Uh, normal. I they hooked the record- up when I was asleep what? in the king bed, and I'm sure that my hand, I rolled over, and my hand got involved in the sex, and therefore that I had sex with Dennis. Oh <laughs> my god. Okay. okay. Becky, look that- at her butt. <laughs> it is so big. That- did not happen. Dennis? All right, mommy needs her Xanax. Tell, Tell us, us what we got on the menu this week, D. For today's menu, we are offering a brilliant rendition of our thought classic, Swipe Left, Swipe Right. Fran and I talk fashion and gender bending with our new bestie, Jacob Tabaya. We process Adam, Eve, and making our own loincloths. <laughs> oh my god. And for dessert... We throw you a little poetry because that's just how we do. Take it away. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to start the top of the show the way any good top should with a tease. Our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse your booshes this week, 
Fran's got a little thing for us. That's a right. In thing. the studio, we have Jacob Tobiah. Hi. They are an amazing writer and producer, among other things. And they're, lo- and they're looking so fresh today. I'm so mad. like a gorgeous orange sundress. I'm oh. getting... I, this is my favorite because it's basically wearing pajamas, but you get credit. Okay. It's so uh. cute. And the lipstick and the yeah. eye makeup. Just perfect. That's like... Um, I can yeah. spread my legs yeah. as wide as I want. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my athleisure phase where I'm like, it's athleisure. And it's like, that's just pajamas. That's like, just pajamas. Yeah. Except you do it way more chicly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're so glad to have you in the studio. Yeah. And um, as we usually do with some guest thoughts, we play a quick little game of swipe left, swipe right. Um, if you are not familiar with the game swipe left, swipe right, you are stupid. And no. you Get out. obviously don't listen to our podcast. Um, and you suck. But in this game, we um, swipe left or right on cultural forms and things that interest us. And which is good um, and which is bad, remind me. Right. Having never swiped. Right, right, yeah. Me, me neither. Um, right is good. And left is like in a box to the left, yeah, yeah, in a box, yeah, yeah, right, great, great, great. Um, <laughs> so, um, and the way we usually do this is like we start out with like e- easy ones, like ones that might seem obvious, and then okay, we go in, uh, on things then that we might go be in hard, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Deep um, and fast. so yeah. swipe left or swipe right, platform shoes, right? Oh my god, yeah, no. Yeah. Don't like them. Oh my! Have you worn them? No I have wearing them or either. <gasps> Aesthetically, I find them. Disp- I love a heel. You, you I, like I, enjoy like one with no platform where your feet like want to murder you after five minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I like, but I feel like I've earned that. I've earned it. I've earned. It. I kind of like that. Pain. I mean, it's I'm, like, yeah. I'm earning this. And, and then, if you, like, like the, and sometimes you need like a hammer. I love I love wearing heels, but then I just do poppers to deal with the heel pain. It's fine. You just, it's the it's masochism fine. kind of thing. It, I love it. Yeah. I, yeah. I was raised I Irish mean, Catholic. Into, I love like that. I don't want to tell you that's wrong. I just I you know I I do heels more of a pro- as a professional lady, and I need <laughs> a functional heel that I can wear for many hours and schmooze with people. Because if I don't, I legitimately like I've been at gals before where my feet have started hurting, and I've been like. Why am I like I? I just need to leave, like, and, I just, and, I, and I just left. I just like left early, like wow. because I was grumpy. Because and I took my shoes off, and then I felt happy again. Okay, so okay. I have real. been there wearing like I think I wore six inch heels this past June, and I, I at the end of the night I was like I just have to take them off. I have to bite. I have to you know swallow my pride and my do bullet. it. Yeah. I would love to see tubes in platform shoes. I would be like 700 feet tall. (laughs) Uh, And turned on and turned on by yourself. By yourself. (laughs) Tommy really loves it. I would just be singing that uh, tweet song. Oops. Oh my, you know, I kind of reflection of myself and I just couldn't stand. I just couldn't help myself. Yeah. Um, Swipe left or swipe right. The Vogue cover with Zayn Malik and Gigi Hadid were in, they were identified as gender fluid. Okay, I'm swiping right on it. But <gasps> excuse me, excuse me. I mean, like, I wrote a whole piece taking them down and talking yeah, about, yeah. like, how the framing of the cover was, like, annoying. Oh, the cover but was the beautiful. the fashion of the yeah, cover yeah, yeah. and the shoot itself, like, the only thing I'm swiping left on, like, the only sub part I'm going to swipe left on in there is that, like, we did not get a shot of Zayn in a gown. Mm. And I feel oh. that we were owed that yeah. as people and as erotic beings. Um, <laughs> and... But okay, the cover Audrey itself Laura, was right, fucking though. gorgeous. It was. And so, I also note that when you said sub part, I saw Dennis's back arch a little bit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's part <laughs> sub. Just who part I am. Um. um, Instagram, the app, the the website. I think I've heard of it before. Ooh. I'm gonna swipe right. You're gonna swipe. I'm right. still gonna swipe right. I because the thing is, it's like it's in how you use it. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Instagram can be a place that is a tragedy of the commons, right? Where, like, everyone goes to the lowest dom- not- common denominator as quickly as they humanly possibly can. I'm just shirtless all the time. Um, yeah, like, and, and, but that doesn't mean that, like, you know, the commons itself are bad. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. it's about like yeah. like what we do uh, with a tool does not necessarily mean that the tool itself is bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like cause Instagram can be a great fucking place if you do it right, um, and, and if and you, people do it right. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, like I mean, like like look at like you know Alok Vadmanon. Like they're you know they yeah. their Instagram is so incredible, yeah. and like and it's such a like source of for people, and it's so and it, it you know there's like there are people who do it right. Yeah, yeah. On that note. Instagram thoughts who are like now buying into the commodification of wokeness and like posting really shirtless selfies and then also like uh um net neutrality or like something Stop like that. Stop talking about me, Freya. Stop talking about me that way. <laughs> JK, swipe left or swipe right. That's a fast left. Mm-hmm. I feel very attacked. Yeah, as you I, should. I hope, I hope so. <laughs> no, yeah, I think I mean, but it's also you know, I think I, yeah, I, I just feel like the whole. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's sex negative of me, but I'm just like the like the the sort of thirst trap Instagram thing. I feel that, very attacked. That feels like we're racing to the bottom. Do you consider mm-hmm. yourself a thirst trap? Instagram? I post a lot of shirtless uh, selfies. Yeah, but I remember really because like there's like the ones where it'd be like you know after uh, the Bataclan massacre, like somebody like having like a like a shirtless selfie, but with like the French flag like on their stomach or oh, something like yeah. that. And it's like yes. you, it's still all about you. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so I hope this next one isn't too raw for you, but writing memoir. Oh, oh, I'll swipe. I'll swipe like a solid right. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Joe like, like got upset. No, I <laughs> Joe mean, also okay, memoir. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, because I'm, and this is saying like literally, like I've just been like I've had the shittiest fucking week because I'm like I'm turning in like my fine like my first draft of my manuscript like what? tomorrow. Like I'm almost wow. done. Ooh, congratulations! Um, and she overdid her a little bit. Like she, you know, I'm I'm like at like 160 thousand words, and I don't know why I got there. And I was like, how did this happen? And, wow, that's but yeah. But I think the thing about like for me, and I don't know. I mean, we can we can chat yeah. more in depth about this, but I feel like for me, the process of writing memoir has been all. About about recentering myself as protagonist in my own life Where, hmm. oh my goodness, when I haven't yeah. always done that mm-hmm. you know and retelling my own story with myself as hero mm-hmm. rather than myself uh-huh. as 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 victim or as as someone who is being done unto oh, um, wow. yeah and, the agency is beautiful yeah. it's a beautiful part of it yeah and I've had to like really re-spin all of these stories that I've been telling myself stories that I was subconsciously telling myself yeah. for, for years or like, you know, there were like, I feel like with my entire college experience, like my entire time at Duke, I just kind of stuffed it away and was just like, I don't, I don't want to look at yeah. that. Like, and it's yeah. really raw and it's really visceral and I just don't want to look at it. And I've had to really like, that was the, those are the hardest chapters to write. That's what I'm just finished up reading yeah. actually this morning. Oh, wow. um, because you know, y'all were like, come on our my podcast. And I was like, Oh, well I guess I have to get something done before that. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think that it's really it's I've reprocessed a lot and 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 found power in doing that. Even when it's been hard and but even when oh, I felt raw from especially it. Especially when yeah. it's hard and raw. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like a way to transmute those experiences. Oh. Yes. I don't I sorry. and make them sexy. Sorry. <laughs> you just can't do nothing around Dennis, that's all. I I mean I, I it doesn't to me ever transmute the experience or do the trauma ever. It I would say that writing memoir, this is Joe, has alternatively killed me and saved my life. Wow, like, so you're just, swiping left? I don't just, know. <laughs> no, I'm swiping very hard left. Um, wow. It, it is. And it I is, support that. It, Honestly. Um, yeah, it's really, really hard and um, can be re-traumatized. And it's also like trying to 
make your life into a piece of art sometimes mm. it's just like i don't want to do that right now and mm. i can't i actually can't do that right now and mm. i'm i'm in, in a place right now where i feel like i just maybe can't finish this book the way it is yeah wow. mm. oh my god so i'm in it i'm deep in the i'm deep mm. in the swipe left moment of okay, writing yeah, memoir yeah mm-hmm. um the phrase gender fucking Oh, right. right. Like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah that's, uh, yeah, it's so fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. Love it. Fuck that gender. Fuck it. Um, Fuck it real good. <laughs> <laughs> um, news articles claiming that Sam Smith now identifies as non-binary. I mean, right. Like, if you're, if you're using language that feels good for you, like, I'm down. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, the other thing, I mean, the other thing is that, like, I'm not, I think that for a while, for a minute, I was like, I was like having crabs in a barrel feeling around around like other non-binary well, among people. Among us has not had that crabs in a barrel feeling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just in our. It wasn't in my pants though. It was like metaphorical. <laughs> uh, and and like you know, it was this feeling of like, oh well, you know, we're all in this trauma competition here, mm. and like and yeah. and other people identifying as non-binary, using the language of non-binary or gender non-conforming, who don't visibly look at as much and don't deal with as much shit as those of us who look more visibly non-binary deal with, like you know, are somehow co-opting this thing and getting yeah. credit for it or whatever. And and I think that that you know, part of what what I've done over the past, you know, few years. And I think part of what actually writing the book has, has mm-hmm. forced me to do is stop thinking of myself, stop worshiping the idea of the first. Like, mm. yeah, super like, important. Yeah. It's funny. I actually took a freak out with my mom about this over the holidays. It was like random argument we got in. Cause there was like this time magazine thing about women who were firsts. And I was just like, yo, fuck being the first, yeah. like fuck the idea of being a first. It's wow. always like, anytime you call someone like the first, anything yeah. you're actually undercutting their accomplishments mm-hmm. and, and like probably erasing things that had happened before. It's like, yeah. it's, it's turning into an easy, easily consumable narrative Correct. that, that mm-hmm. both erases their accomplishments and the work that was leading up to it. Yeah. Like there's no such thing as like, the first gender non-conforming blank because it's like we've been around for all yeah, of human history exactly. and we're worshipped in other cultures and that like, seems imperialistic it is uh-huh. right. it's totally a colonization yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and so I think when I, now that I've let go of that idea the idea of like more people being in the fold I'm like yeah like use the link like come join like be, mm. use that language <laughs> and that's great but also like we don't have to we don't have to act like our experiences of non-binariness are the same because yeah. they're not yeah, it's yeah. not a monolith yeah, yeah exactly. and like within the non-binary community there are some people who experience profoundly more discrimination and day-to-day shit than others and that's okay and that can be talked about it within the experience correct yeah Yeah. um also call me sam (laughs) (laughs) hey you heard it here first coming really you know like does she make good jokes no No. (laughs) but is that really necessary (laughs) (laughs) um okay so uh, uh wrapping up here you're a bi-coastal girl. Um, New York gays. Ooh, this is hard. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna swipe. Ooh, I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna she's gonna be edgy. She's gonna go for it and she's yes. gonna swipe left. <gasps> oh! But same TBH. Like, yeah, <laughs> and let me tell let me let me, let me give some caveats. Let me give some explanation. First Here off, for it. In a, in a Tinder framework, like, let's just swipe left to begin with. Because like, <laughs> if you don't use the word queer to describe your sexuality, we have no game to play. Oh, my word. God. Like, no, because, like, if you're, I mean, because, like, people who still, I feel like people who only use the term gay and are not mm-hmm. cool with saying they're queer or pan or bi or whatever, like, like you just don't, like, you're not turned on by high heels. And, like, I need mm. you to see me in heels and with my leg hair and be like, damn, like, 
I got harder. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. bottom line, I need you to want to fuck me more when I'm femme, not just be like ambivalent towards it yeah, yeah, and yeah. certainly not be like turned off by it. Like so, that's yeah. not going to work for me. You know, yeah. I tried I tried for so long to date like gay boys and I've just sort of learned to be like, if you don't use slightly different language, then like we yeah. don't have a conversation to have here. So on that level of swipe left. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just like, I feel like, you know, when I think of the archetypical New York gay, I don't think of the archetypical like New York queer or like New York trans kid. True. I think about like there's also a lot of class in that he's that in like Chelsea. I don't like. Yeah, like, you know, he's like 22 and like you know his parents paid for his college and like. And I want to swipe left, but also say like, uh, but like a, in a calling in kind of way of like, honey, mm. you actually have a lot of shit you haven't processed, and like we should talk. Oh wow! So wow. like, you are so much more gracious than so all of us. Table. It's not. It's gracious, it's selfish. Here. Don't worry. <laughs> it's like, let's talk about your trauma, let's heal your feminine shame, and then let's fuck, you know? Oh my mm. god. If wow. I don't heal, if we don't That's heal. Like, is that on your business card? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, we are in the studio here with Jacob Tobiah. Um, they are, as I said, amazing writer and producer. How else would you describe the work that you do? Well, uh, um, I feel like I'm just going to wait till I get the work that I want, and then we'll just use, start using the label. <laughs> okay. Like, I'd love to be able to say, like, oh, like, you know, like, Emmy Award-winning actor and creator, blah, blah, blah. But I just, like, I, don't, I haven't earned those labels yet. Like, yeah. So, yeah. so we have to wait for a few guest stars and stuff, and then we can, like, add actor to it. But right now, I think writer... Like author and producer is like the the highest levels I've attained so far. Why why do you do the work that you do? Um, I mean, I think that there's sort of two reasons, right? One is is like the activist imperative, and I think that's kind of the mm-hmm. obvious one, right? Like yeah. everyone, I think people get that on a gut level. They're like, oh yeah, like you, you know, you are a gender nonconforming person in a world that doesn't always like make that easy, and so obviously you want to share with people. Um, about that experience and want to transform the reality for ge- other gender non-conforming people. I would say that outside of the work that you do, another th- way that you impact strangers and like every uh, pe- people's everyday lives is in the clothes you wear. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? What does f- fashion mean to you? Or rather, more, uh, maybe personal style is like a better mm. term for it. But like, what mm. how, how, what kind of relationship do you have to like style and clothes? Yeah, it's funny because when I think about the word fashion, I just like clam up and get mad. Yeah, just like um, no thanks. Well, because yeah, the fashion world like doesn't like my body. Like, let's just be very clear. Yeah, right. Really. Like, I'm not one. I'm not a fashion girl. I've never been given a modeling contract. Like, it is a way in which other people have lapped me because like once you have a modeling contract, everything in the entertainment industry is a little bit easier because you're certified hot. Uh huh. Um, you know, oh no, my god, <laughs> it's just true. It's just fucking true. Oh my god. Like, you know, you get auditions more easily. You get to do things more easily. Like, mm-hmm. once you're certified hot, it's a little bit easier. Truly. And just, like, that's never been... No one's... No one has ever... No one's ever given me anything because of a sense of of fashionability about my body or my expression or a sense of sexual power that I have. Yeah, right? Man. Like, I don't feel that I have access to those things v- very much. I mean... I think there are certain people that could come for me and say like, you have more access to that than I do. And I'd be like, yeah, like I'm not saying I have no access, but Mm -hmm. I think that in general, like, you know, the fashion world is like not my world. Um, And that's been something that's been really hard to accept because I look in the mirror and I'm just like, I'm, I am fashion. Like, (laughs) yeah, you know, but then like no one else seems to understand like why a like chest cascading with hair in a gown is like the most gorgeous thing in the world. Exactly. And I'm like, why don't y'all get that yet? Like what the fuck? Like catch up, you know? Okay. So on the topic of, of clothes and thrifting, 
I've heard you say before that you do you do a lot of thrifting. You don't really like new clothes, really. I've heard, I've heard you say that. Before. Yeah, new clothes feel weird to me. Why is that? They don't have a story. Like I don't know. They're just like I feel like new clothes. It's like this. It, it feels like oh, this just like came out of a factory yeah. where someone was probably like not paid well and like you know like probably like lots of labor issues <laughs> and like and like you and also like th- there's there's so much clothing out there. Why why do I need a new piece to be produced for me yep. yeah, you know the exactly. idea of like I mean the idea of like capitalism is like we put new clothes in the store as if they already existed mm-hmm. and we and we pretend that they already existed so that you go buy them as if they already existed but Ooh. it's like no if you didn't go in there and buy it then they would stop just existing like there wouldn't be need to be as many new pieces of clothing yeah um yeah. and yeah so I just I feel like you know both as like uh both kind of environmentally and politically I want to wear used stuff because I feel like it's just it 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 it's how we should treat clothing more often yeah. um and and also you know on on sort of a spiritual level there's something about reclaiming something there's something about giving a piece of clothing a second chance there's something about learning to like about understanding that like archival beauty about mm-hmm. understanding historical beauty um and and bringing it into your life that helps me feel more connected to the past and to the universe and to the world around me and helps me feel like, you know, my, my gender and the essence of my being is not an anomaly, but is like a historical Mm -hmm. truth, you know, like there's a deep spiritual level to thrifting around. Like there's a grandmother who had this incredible 1980s cocktail dress and she eventually got rid of it and had no clue that it would end up on me and yet mm-hmm. here we are and yet we have transformed yeah. and yet the world a, a better world is possible oh yeah. my like, god wow you know this like is, that's yeah. so beautiful this is the thinking deep. of someone who loves stories and story making too it sounds like because it's like you're there's story in all of that there's there's history in mm-hmm. all of that and you just and you're that. yeah and you're just, just like placing story. yourself in that narrative which i think is like so um exciting and amazing i i feel similarly about thrifting i mean i I would say I buy more new clothes than than thrift store clothes as of late, but I love doing it. And one of the things I love about it, in addition to the fact that I feel like I'm a part of a lineage when I do it, is um, the idea that I'll find something that I likely will never see again anywhere else. Mm. Like when I'm thrifting or I'm at a consignment shop, I'm hoping to find a piece that I just will never see on another person. Mm-hmm. And usually that that happens so far. I mean, do you... Mm. For our listeners, uh, do you have any like thrifting tips or like style tips or like things where like how do you sh- how do you shop yeah. when you do this? Well, I think the key for me is understand how much time you have. Okay, um, because especially if you live like in a big if you live like in a big you know ur- like urban center, people are going to know the value of clothing a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. and the value of vintage pieces, right? Like if you want to get like a 1980s fully embroidered sequin cocktail dress, oh like you're going to have to pay like, that. you know, 30 bucks or 40 bucks at a consignment store where they know what that's worth. Mm-hmm. But I think the key to me about thrifting is like getting to places um getting to like less like getting out of like Los Angeles or New York or big cities Mm -hmm. like embracing getting out there and like off of a beaten path and like stopping in some small little town and going to the one thrift store that's still on Main Street Mm -hmm. and seeing what you can find because most of the time you're going to be able to find something incredible the the thoughts we're talking this morning about our relationships with like dressing kind of queer or like dressing in a way that doesn't like uh fall in line with like pe- the kind of gender that people want us to be um and how we feel when we step out the door um like what for folks in small towns do you have advice on how to do that or yeah. or where 
where you conjure that in you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't actually think it, I don't think that it's just for folks in small towns. Like, right. I actually exactly. think that, you yeah. know, sometimes a smaller town can be way easier to be gender nonconforming in because if everyone gets to know you, right? Yeah. Like everyone knows you at a certain point or at least knows of you. Mm. Um, like, you know, I think a lot about college and it's just re- reading sort of uh, rereading some of my writing about this today. But, you know, the thing that was so devastating about graduating was that I, I feel like I spent four years, you know, in a small town, essentially, right? Like yeah. in, a, in a community of 6,000, you know, students and like a few, you know, and some postgrads and some staff and whatever. Um, and over the course of four years was able to kind of like everyone got to know that, that someone like me existed on campus, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and I could walk home from the library at two P like 2 AM, you know, across the quad and around and all over campus, you know, like in short shorts, espadrilles, like, you know, a crop uh, top and like, yeah, and, and not have to think twice, mm-hmm. you know, like with yeah. my laptop. Right. Like, yeah. and, and graduating outside of that bubble, it was really tough. I mean, like one of the reasons why I like Los Angeles so much better than New York, at least for right now is because like New York's is New York is shitty mm-hmm. for existing. Yeah. As a trans <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and also in general, <laughs> yeah, but like, but like, you know, like, I mean, I still, it's interesting people. It's funny. Like I'll go to like business meetings and stuff and people have no idea that I just had like five people on the subway yell at me. <gasps> They have no clue because I'm so put together and it looks mm-hmm. so effortless once I'm in an office. And you also are a bright person. Yeah. You, so you have I mean, a, I don't... Bu- a bubble to you. Yeah. I like to bubble up. Um, <laughs> but it's like people have no clue that like and, and every now and then like the topic will come up and I'll talk about it. And people will be like, wait, that still happens to you. And they're shocked, yeah. especially New Yorkers like oh, in my city, like in New York City, someone's still yeah. yelling at you for being a faggot. And mm. I'm just like. Yes, like, duh. Literally, what where? planet are you living and on? And also, those yes. people aren't probably proper faggots. Yeah, maybe. No, maybe. no they don't. <laughs> like, and it's and it's and it's interesting because it's you know in New York the thing that was so hard is just like being reliant on public transportation. Fucking sucked. Yeah. yeah um. Actually. Because and because you know, and it was worse than living in a smaller community. It was way worse than living in North Carolina. North wow. Carolina was never as difficult as New York City because exposure's so high. Yeah, can't. and because like I get you know when I want to go to the grocery store in North Carolina or in Los Angeles, I get in my car mm-hmm. outside of my house. Mm-hmm. I drive to the place. I park my car. I walk from my car, and then I'm in the store. And then I walk out of the car, and then like get in my car again, or out of the store, back in my car, back home. You know, like yeah. Whereas like in you know in in New York, it's like the number of strangers you have to interact with on a daily basis in order to do anything Mm -hmm. is like so high and people are reacting to you for the first time ever every Every day for the rest of your life. That is so brilliant and I've never thought about that but it it makes perfect sense. And especially because like every time I do step on the subway, I'm a little like, How's this going to be? What looks yeah. am I going to get? Is like, someone going to yell about yeah. just wanting to set me on fire today? Yeah. Oh Getting into literally my own happened. car. You don't have to deal with that. These guys had a conversation about whether or not they should set me on fire. Joe also has had a, nope. an experience where like someone tried to set his hair on fire. Why do people want to set fags what on fire? It? We're already flaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they think it'll You're be complimentary to our look. <laughs> oh my God. Um, um, we're out of time, but um, where can 
people find you, your work, your writing? Where where can they follow you? Well, you can follow me on any social media account at just Jacob Tobiah, just my name. That's easy. Um, and if you want to find information about booking me to come to your community, you can go to jacobtobiah.com and there's some info there and some okay. contact. Some appearances. Yeah, or if you're a producer and you want to have me audition for your show, you can call my agent. Hell yes. Yeah. And they have a book coming out next year. Yeah, it'll be like sometime next spring, but and we're st- still TBD. And it's called Sissy, which Dennis and I love we're like i like could not it. believe that no one had yeah i was like this is done. how fucked up it is that like no one's already taken this like it's gonna br- be really good title uh, yeah and we can't wait for it um yeah thank you so much for coming thank this you, you. Fun. Thank you. love y'all so we always say food for thought is brought to you by the love and support of rose but this time it's also brought to you by squarespace <laughs> Squarespace is a website that you can use to make more websites, mm-hmm. and there are templates that come with this website, and we've conceived a game <laughs> oh, no. called Squarespace Template, or thought that we fucked. Oh. <laughs> so, let's- Joe let's, walked out of room. Let's start right off. Hayden. I think that's a template. That sounds like somebody Dennis would fuck. <laughs> it does. It literally does. It does, but I think it's a template. Hayden is a contemporary design and is favored by small to mid-sized businesses. Ooh. <laughs> contemporary. Royce. That, that's a that's a Dennis. That, that's a Tommy. That's a template. <laughs> ah, it was <laughs> It was Tommy. <laughs> yes! Tommy has slept with someone named Royce! <laughs> it's also a template. <laughs> 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 Reed, spelled R-E-E-D-E. <laughs> the spelling that, is really important. That has to be Dennis. <laughs> That's absolutely a Dennis. It is Dennis. <laughs> Actually, that's a Dennis and Joe. Oh my god! Oh wait, it's yeah. you. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's not, not Dennis, JK. Oh, I fucked up, I fucked up. Um, In spirit, yeah. This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury, because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to MercuryInsurance.com today to get a quote. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care, and even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts. Healthcare is backwards. Luckily, there's Forward, a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. 
Here Comes the Break is the groundbreaking podcast sparking real conversations about creativity, mental health, friendship, family, hope, and music. Asante Black stars as Ruben in a fictional narrative featuring real interviews with emerging artists. What advice would you give the families and parents about supporting a teenager that wants to pursue the arts? If you see they're dedicated and you see that they really mean it and their grades are good... Mm. Then let them do it, man. Let them do it. Get inside Ruben's head to learn what drives him. See, no one wants to be a Hollywood celebrity anymore. No one my age, anyway. I mean, we want to be internet famous. We want to be influencers motivating our peers to become followers of what's trending on Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram. And find out if Ruben can survive internet fame. No, 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 no. Marco was right. No need to psych myself out. There is no turning back now. Listen to Here Comes the Break, starting May 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Katie Lowe's here. You might know me as Quinn Perkins on Scandal. I'm also the host of Katie's Crib, a podcast about all things parenthood. Katie's Crib is back with new episodes every Thursday. We have got such an awesome lineup of guests. Michelle Buteau on having twins, Katerina Scorsone on raising three children, Kat McPhee Foster on being a new mom. We'll be covering everything from discipline to mombering. Tune in. Listen to Katie's Crib on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last one, Clay. I think he's a template. Is that a, is that a Joe? Oh, um, Dennis. I mean, it's a template. Clay is both a template and someone that Dennis has slept with. I went to prep school, okay? <laughs> there were four Clays in my graduating class alone. Oh, my God. Head to squarespace.com for free trial when, when you're ready to launch, use that promo code T H O T for pay our bills. off. Yes, pay our bills. Um, 10% off your first website or domain. Mm. I think we've reached the meat of our discussion. <laughs> the thought process about THOT. THOT. And this week, we're talking all about clothes and fashions and how they conceal and what they reveal and all that kind of stuff. And I was first thinking about this particular episode. So, you know, we got together over the last summer and we put together pretty much the entire season, what we wanted to talk about. And the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about clothes is because last summer I had been hanging out with a friend of mine who had kind of recently come out. And I think in addition to making some different choices about his sexuality, he was also making some different choices sort of about his wardrobe, right? So, you know, he was walking around and he was like in tank tops and shorts that are a little bit shorter than what one might normally wear. Um, And I was just, you know, in summer thought wear, as I always am. Always. Because if there's one thing I like about my body, it's my motherfucking legs. So like shorts gotta be shorter. And we were looking, we were going, uh, we were trying to get something to eat and uh, we were going up to this restaurant and there was like, you know, there was some patio seating. There was some dudes sitting outside. And they, you know, in the way that dudes do, were making some snide comments about him. You know, if I get in this and that. At this point, like, I'm so inured in my queerness that, like, it's just water off a duck's yep. back. Mm-hmm. But, like, he was, like, you know, sort of visibly affected by it. The other thing I noticed was they weren't directing that at me. <laughs> they were directing that at him. Ooh. Because I think he was a little bit tentative in his... In his adoption of mm-hmm. of, of his wardrobe, teams, you'll be in That's like so short, real. short, short shorts, but you'll be have this punk attitude. You also can't tell yeah. me shit. The last yeah. person who like I wear headphones a lot, so I don't always hear when somebody's calling me a faggot. But the last time somebody did, I was like, where, <laughs> where? <laughs> oh my God. Just like 
so loud that he got really um like he got really self-conscious and i just lived for it i was just like you know hocus pocus sucking the energy out of that whenever man. someone yells queer at me i go that's right mama we run this town <laughs> i just go yes daddy and wink <laughs> they know they want this pussy. afraid you might like it um uh, but um you know, once we were inside and we were like seated and he was just kind of like, you know, if this was before, like if I had on these kicks, if I had on the, these like basketball shorts, if I had on this like sports jersey or whatever, like they wouldn't have said shit. And so I started to think about like ways in which you get treated differently based on what it is that you're wearing. You could have acted the same exact way, but because you were wearing something different, you know, you got treated differently. Um, and then I was also sort of thinking about this. So one of the things that we do in addition to when we prepare for the episodes is we read um we read uh news items and, and articles and stuff like that and there was this idea in, in an article that fran shared from forbes of of enclosed cognition the idea that it's not just like necessarily like the attitude that people have for your clothing right, but it's like right, the, right. the the idea or like the, the attitude that your clothing gives you right mm. and that maybe it was his tentative queerness that gave him that tentative feeling based on his clothes or whatever so i'm i'm just curious you know if like when was a time that you remember clocking the fact that people were treating you differently based on what you were wearing? I think mm. about this in terms of like formal wear, mm -hmm. because I, like I've only been to like I've only worn a suit two times in my adult life. One of them was to a wedding, but people treated me differently because I had yeah. a suit on. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. so are there are there instances where in which you remembered being treated differently based on what you were wearing? Hmm. I definitely have one. Uh, this is Joe. I When I first became a college, I look young, younger than I am. And when I first started teaching college, uh, I was very nervous and tentative. And I felt like I looked the same age as my students oftentimes. And I would come into the classroom. They wouldn't signify me that I was the teacher. So every day, every day that I taught, I put on a suit, often a bow tie. I was like dressing very gay, but sort of gay dandy, mm -hmm. sort of like very fashionable, but like upper middle class businessman gay to sort of – and people did – that made people treat me. Than mm -hmm. like that. Whereas yeah. uh, if I had come into class dressed how I might dress in the lab or whatever, I definitely would not have been the case. And I used to walk around that campus sort of projecting this era of I belong here deep in my imposter syndrome. And I felt that way. And I think I was allowed in in certain ways because I did put on a suit. But I will say that now that I'm much more comfortable in my teaching, I don't do that anymore. And do you think, mm -hmm. I mean, this might get a little chicken of the egg, but do you think it was the fact that like you were wearing something yeah. of distinction that made you feel distinct or mm -hmm. that because you were wearing this thing, people treated you differently? I think it was both. It definitely made me feel, it gave me confidence. It was like an outside in, like the clothes then were like an exoskeleton or a shield that made me feel better that made me do better at my job and then because I was doing good at my job then people took me serious more seriously mm, that's yeah. a really yeah uh, on that point I really do feel like clothing is really a matter of confidence it's a matter of how you carry yourself in, in your clothes and you wearing your clothes not your clothes wearing you and that's why I think it's interesting mm -hmm. in, the, in the opening story you were talking about wherein people who are like street calling this your the guy that you were with um, saw his tentativeness because his clothes were wearing him mm -hmm. and he wasn't fully confident. In and them. bullies mm -hmm. smell that shit. They oh, yeah. smell they that do. shit. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Absolutely. It absolutely sucks. Um, <clears throat> I was in Morocco a few years ago and um, uh, in Marrakesh where it is illegal to be gay. I was traveling with three other gay men and um, we all are honestly like. Oh, I'm like the femis one of us all, and I'm not even like that 
femme. I'm like mm. pretty. I I'm, I can be like pretty <laughs> business casual most of the time. Um, <clears throat> for like a, a business woman, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, uh, we all wore like you know I wore like t-shirts with stains on them and like jorts and like tennis shoes and backwards baseball caps and like that. <laughs> and that is just not that's not my normal attire. But I was just like I'm just gonna protect myself mm. um from you know getting harassed because like street harassment there mm-hmm. is like to the nth degree um no matter what you're wearing like people just like will call out and like you know <clears throat> ask if they want to sell you something or if they want to bring you into their souk or whatever um i was out on, in like the main market for like five minutes and someone was like hey like faggot or something like that and i was like what it was like really jarring and i remember like kind of going into the market being really like confident that i've that i was just like straight passing you were literally straight straight passing Mm. and then and then they were like they were like uh to my other friend they were like hey you walk like my girlfriend and they were like basically like you know, chasing us. Like, thank you. And, and like, I was like, yes, okay, honey, what you doing later? And my friend, my friend Justin turns to me and he was like, oh, how do they know? And I was like, because we walk like faggots. (laughs) And then, but it really is, it's, it, clothing really works in tandem with your disposition. Mm -hmm. It works in, in tandem with the way you compose yourself. And I think that is, you know, the, the body and the spirit can't be divorced from the clothing itself. I will say though, this to, to your example though, um, there is a way in which, because it was in a different country, that foreignness Mm-hmm. also yeah. just is a thing mm-hmm. that yeah. can be encoded into maybe sexuality or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, we always talk about like, is it European yeah. or is he a faggot? You know what I mean? Yeah, but like, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, you know, I felt similarly in, in international situations where it's, but, but it, 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 I just like moved differently than the people there. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. I definitely feel for me though, as what you're, to what you were saying, Fran, about like how you wear your clothes that like, uh, when I came out, like, I grew up in a town that it doesn't have space to be gay or be gender nonconforming or be anything. And so I wore like cargo shorts and flip flops and like, you know, hats like everyone else. Pictures <clears> or it didn't. <laughs> and now you still wear <laughs> cargo shorts and flip flops <laughs> <and hats. laughs> uh, in the show notes. Um, but when I came out and allowed myself to experiment and play and dress in women's clothes, and, it, and it's an ongoing experiment, but that also made me more comfortable with my sexuality and it made me happier. So it was like mm. doing things that I was deeply uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. I'm still uncomfortable when I go into women's sections in stores because really? of the looks. It's, it's hard. Yeah, I, I, I'm not over that yet. But like mm. doing everyone those, just assumes you're there. To get something for your girlfriend, hey, well, I don't. Th- I don't think so about me, but <laughs> maybe. maybe. But but it, I feel like doing those things I felt uncomfortable with. I'm so glad that I did them, even if like I looked like shit that day because I wasn't wearing it right. But like I feel great now, and mm-hmm. like yeah. I needed to go yeah. through the process of wearing that thing, not giving well. yourself permission. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's like queerness is such freedom. Like you were saying, Dennis, yeah. on the early show, because once you're out as gay, like what can anyone? Like I'm out. Right. Like what? <laughs> like what is? What is the point of concealing? I don't know. Maybe for me, because I I was never really concealing it all that successfully anyway. Right. So when I finally came out, it was just like, what is the point? <laughs> but like, like I'm not fooling anyone and I'm not trying to fool anyone. Well, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. Did you, is there an, an instance that, that you remember being treated differently based on what you were wearing? So um, one of the, like, I don't know if this is the earliest instance, but this was one of the instances that was just closest, I think, to my heart because it has informed so much about my life since then. But when I um, came home to Cleveland after my freshman year of college, and, like, I tried to dress very 
gay in high school, outside of my high school, but I didn't really know what that meant. And when I got to Mm. college, that's when I began to feel safer dressing more femme. Mm-hmm. Because I had so many friends who had grown up in, like, New York and grown up in Boston and grown <clears> up in L.A. and places where you were seeing that and you didn't see that in Cleveland. And so they kind of facilitated me um, venturing into the women's side of the store a lot more often. And, of course, now that's pretty much the only place that I shop. But anyway, that's your house that, now. That's my house. <laughs> that is my house. But my point is that – so I was home and I had made this tie-dye tank top. And I was wearing these very short shorts. And I just, like, walked... I was, like, walking out of the house to go shopping with some friends or something. And my dad just, like, kind of saw me in this outfit and looked at me and kind of narrowed his eyes and just said, are you really wearing that out of the house? Mm, and I was wow. like, yes. And he goes, that's so ostentatious. Like, you need to change it. Huh. And I was like... Interesting, faggy word. Listen. <laughs> listen. It's a whole lot that I'm still trying to work through. Why you think I write about daddy issues? Oh my god. I think Teeves just why implicated you, that Dennis's preacher dad is gay. <laughs> let, let, listen. I have... That is a bunch of words you're putting in my motherfucking Ah, there's a lot to work through so y'all read my novel but when it comes out but that moment was has just informed me and i've never forgotten it because it was so intense because i was so actively for the first time wearing what i had wanted to wear for many years Mm. the kinds of clothes that i wanted to wear and in thinking about this like episode i was thinking a lot about my foundation and the way that i thought about clothes because Mm. so much of my life before i came out was about concealing and about hiding and about shame and i realized that you know i grew up in the church i grew up reading the bible and um in the book of genesis what when mm. they start wearing clothes is when their eyes have start their eyes open up when Adam and Eve start wearing make themselves clothes like out of like leaves. There's a verse that I pulled up. It's all because of shame mm. at their human form and at their nakedness. And the verse is Genesis three seven, and it's then then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. They hadn't known they were naked before, mm. and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So I realized that one part of my early foundation with the idea of clothing was shame. Mm -hmm. And when I began to cast the shame away is when I began to embrace how I wanted to dress myself, Mm. how I wanted to present myself. Outside of the moment of like, of like coming out, like uh, I love like, finding consistency in like the clothes that you're really comfortable wearing. Yes. And like confidence in clothes that you wear over and over again. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm really jealous of people that will surprise me with their outfits and surprise me with their wardrobe and their personal style. Like I'm really envious of that. But like, I also am, there's something really beautiful in like just not being surprising and just wearing it. (laughs) Yeah. Just black. Fran wearing black. Well, there's something really empowering about the fact that that we were all going to come to the studio today and y'all knew that I was going to wear all black and Joe was going to wear a loose fitting t-shirt and Tommy was going to wear his leather jacket and Dennis was going to wear something that yeah. looked like it was uh, it came from and, like the, the and, Kardashian collection a top shelf of Macy's you and know? honestly I knew he was going to wear that fucking necklace yeah, yeah. Well, I always yeah I always wear this necklace I love this necklace I mean necklace. if you've seen the movie but, Annihilation like Dennis wears the shimmer you know yeah. <laughs> Dennis wears the shimmer oh my god she's a shimmering queen I have a question I think that that connects to one of the other huge things I want to talk about in this conversation which is just money because yes. clothes cost money especially mm-hmm. like if you're trying to be interesting mm-hmm. so like my thing is that I've always really wanted to be fashionable and I like try to be very fashionable and be very like thoughtful about what I wear and have it be kind of gender weird and kind of like play with um, you know proportion or form or whatever but it is hard as fuck to do that with 
without spending that much money. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a big part of the reason why we all wear the same outfits over and over again <laughs> is because we we're writers and we don't have the money to like invest in like a Givenchy or a Yves Saint Laurent, like whatever the fuck. But the thing yeah. is, that's not that's the differentiation between fashion and personal style because I yeah. think there are a lot of people that can't afford fashion like me and there are a lot of people that but there's still people that can afford personal style and i mm-hmm. and for me like i, I paid agree. my i paid my way through college i worked uh five jobs at once mm-hmm. literally five jobs and still couldn't afford like my you know to feed myself but like i i still had a re- at the time what i thought was a really great sense of style thrifting in like bins of like mm, goodwill same. and like and you, you know, know there's a ton of people who is fashion but they're parrots Right, mm-hmm. you know, like they don't have any personal style. Yeah, they're just wearing like whatever is new, right. or, where, or, where entire, or whatever is like expensive, or, or where yeah. the entirety of their fashion is the fact that the bag that they're carrying costs ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know. exactly. And that's and not that's fashion. So that's just that's math. Like yeah. that's the number. <laughs> like I'm not interested in that. Like I don't care about that. I really think. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, and sometimes this is a little bit of a problem because I don't have a lot of money. I work at a nonprofit, but um. I will spend money on clothes. Like, oh, wow. and I have to work, I, like, I mean, not a whole lot of money, but, like, I will occasionally spend money on clothes, and that's, like, something that I really have to keep in check because I'm, like, always trying to be better about that. But, like, a lot of my favorite pieces are things that I've gotten from thrift stores today. Like, not mm-hmm. today, but, like, more recently. Like, even as a person who has an adult, is an adult, has a job, has a salary, like, I can spend a little bit of money on clothes. Like, like this necklace that we're always talking about that I wear almost every goddamn day was $10 at a thrift store off the coast of Cape Cod. And actually I bought the top that I'm wearing there as well. I'm wearing like $6 leggings from Dwayne Reed. So you're like, saying thrift stores in Cape Cod is where it's at. Thrift yeah. stores in Cape Cod is where it's at. You just blew up Cape Cod's spot though. Fashion tip. <laughs> I mean, I didn't give the name of the store. There's a lot of thrift stores in Cape Cod, are y'all. Are there really? Yes. Yeah, there really are. There really are. There truly are. There really are. I really like, didn't there. realize before, um, but like Dennis's necklace is like the gay version of a Bolo. <laughs> I feel like we need to put a picture of the necklace in the um in the, in the show notes. Or, in the yes. show notes. It'll be um, in the show notes. We'll tweet it, it out. Yeah, but it's just to say that like I I 100 agree with you, Fran. And I think that like if you get caught up in thinking about the finances of fashion, you're going to eventually get blocked. It's going to be like a certain type of personal style constipation because it's really <laughs> it's really not about that. Like it's 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 about like. Finding things that work for you in your means. If it's something you're interested in, some people don't care. But for me, like, it's a huge... I think because I I put so much time and energy into, like, clocking what I saw as a little boy and wanted to wear and knowing that I couldn't wear it and feeling like I couldn't wear Mm. it, that once I was just like, bitch, you a faggot, so you gonna be a faggot, I was (gasps) like, this becomes... This becomes a method of self-expression for me. This Making good on the promise of a young faggot, yeah. Literally, like, I will not take a job at a place that's going to give me, like, direction about what I have to wear other than, like, you need to have, like, your bits covered up. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I, I won't do it. Because on, on the daily basis, what I wear is a reflection of my internal life. And what I'm wanting to put out to the world, See, and I is, will not be tamped down in that way. No, that's I'm curious about that too because yeah. I was thinking, like, you know, if if fashion is a, a way that you can talk about yourself without saying anything, Ooh. what do you want your mm-hmm. what do you want your clothes to say about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I want my clothes to say that I'm extremely competent. 
I, I, my clothes in a lot of environments that I'm in don't function mm. as self-expression, unfortunately, mm. anymore. Um, they used to. Um, but now I just wear all black, um, you know, business casual, uh, women's business casual. And, <laughs> and to me, um, that acts as more of like a, a suit of armor. It's kind of a, a protective um, uniform that I wear um, that kind of asserts uh, whatever position of power I want to have in the conversation. So then when you're saying competence, is it like that you... I'm going to use this word supremacy, but I don't mean it in the, in yeah, the pejorative ways, but, but just that like... But that you're just like... I have my shit together. Listen it. to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's absolutely it. I want people to think that about me, and and that comes from an insecurity that comes from imposter syndrome because like I don't always feel extremely capable, as we all do. As well, all listen, us, like know. the system isn't set up to make people like us feel or, that we're capable or exactly. competent. So it's like we have right. to affect that until we mm-hmm. believe it. Especially as people of color, it's just like there's just so many ways that like I'm down like twenty notches than like everyone else because I'm being prejudged, and yep. so for me, clothes clothes are are that like kind of little plus one on top of my like you know super smash brothers character or whatever that's just like ready and armed for battle and that was like, almost a sports reference you know what <laughs> <laughs> it also yeah. wasn't even like a correct video game reference i can't even i can't even make a good video game reference but like it truly is it's like it's like the thing in mario where it's like bloop 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 and, and it's me trying <laughs> oh my God. it's me trying to go up a few yeah, notches your mushroom. to yeah. counteract the the prejudice this is the question that i'm gonna ask the group and and i think it's like a a, a question that would would be thrown to us by somebody more conservative who would say like you know if you're afraid of homophobia you know you don't want to get get called a faggot in the street you don't want to get called a faggot on the subway you know you don't want to um experience discrimination or assault why don't you just conform? No, why don't no, you just wear whatever? Absolutely not. Wears? I so I th- sorry. I think about this a lot, and like being very femme present. Like I mean, I've had men hit on me. Like when I had longer hair and had dreadlocks, I had straight men hit on me, thinking I was a girl until I like turned around or whatever. Like I like that. I run the gamut. Like I walk the street in heels on a regular basis, and so I do think about this a lot. But I will not conform because it's not my problem. Mm-hmm. It is their problem. And mm-hmm. my fashion and the way that I move through the world and present myself publicly, that is me saying, I dare you to fuck with me. Because if you're going to look at me and fuck with me, then you also have to face yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to face the fact that you are a person who has so much hate inside your heart. Or desire. And so much distaste. Desire. Or, de- or desire mm-hmm. that you're going to like actually try and hurt me or disrupt my day. And, like, yes, I feel like there are ways in which I leave myself vulnerable to that in the world. There are ways in which I feel like, like, if someone came up on me, I don't know if I could defend myself, honestly. Like, I've never hit someone. Like, I don't know how to do that. That's when you call me and Joe. Yep. That's when I call <laughs> you and Joe. And we go roll through. But, but literally, like, I'm just, I, I, there's a certain level of trust that I have for decency in that way. And I'm just like, I'm going to, like, I'm going to be me. And if you have a problem with that, that's your problem. I'm not here to deal with that. And so if that puts me at risk, if that makes in certain ways my existence a little more dangerous for me or, or for anyone else, then so be it. But How would I don't you respond care. to somebody who said that, I mean, you, so you've made the decision to dress that way. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any room to complain mm. about people, you know, 
I was going to say I being would say, but, too, who, but it's not but being who has, but who has, giving you shit. But I do, because who has the right first and foremost? Like, the problem begins with someone wanting to put their hands on me or wanting to say something disrespectfully say something. Mm-hmm. to me. That's the problem. The mm-hmm. problem isn't me. Like, mm-hmm. who moved, who grew, who was taught that that was acceptable? Mm-hmm. That that was okay? Mm-hmm. Ever. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm walking through Times Square smelling like onions. What you, like what like what are you gonna do? Like that it's it's indecent and no one has the right to do that to to you or to anyone else. And that's very much how I how I feel. And that informs the way that I dress like every day. Yeah. I yeah. My answer to that question is is just, you know, if a homophobe, you know, found me a faggot he's gonna find me a faggot no matter what uh, and it, w- right. regardless of what I'm wearing and if he's gonna throw a rock and strike the back of my skull and I drop dead I will be happy that I d- drop dead as a fully Looking fledged fabulous. fucking fabulous yeah. faggot Looking and fabulous. not some restrained God. kind of version of yeah. myself yes. that I didn't want to live my life and you know what? it doesn't matter yes. if he strikes you on the back of the head with a rock or not you're gonna die anyways yeah. die happy bitch die. and that's something that I fabulous. love about about clothing is that it is it is a political act it is religious expression it is like protective charms it's a reminder of your loved one it's a thing that you can die for and that to me is the power of clothing and why it should be important or as unimportant as you want it to be and that's not for someone else to decide that's for you to decide amen Mm. (laughs) you know I'm full, but I feel like I could stick one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. Dennis, will you tell us what we got on dessert today? Boo, I always know how you feel on that one. (laughs) Um, Yes, so for dessert today, as some of you know, some of our more literary thoughts know, um, today is the start of National Poetry Month only here at Food for Thought. We're calling it National Poetry Poetry Month. Um, Where... In today, we're going to celebrate some of our favorite poems. Each thought is going to read a favorite poem. And I just want to say personally, as as a prose writer, prose writer some of you are going to um, hate me for this. But I personally believe that our poets are connected to something a little higher than the rest mm. of us. They're connected to God in a different way. And that's why they're able to write oh, poetry. Well. And it's something that I admire and it's something that I respect and something that I worship a little bit. And yeah. so I'm really excited to do this. Somebody once told me that poets are the stewards of language. Mm-hmm. That so I is love to say that I'm a stew stew of language. <laughs> You're fine. Some of us are good stewards and some of us are thotty stewards. And some of us are Tommy. <laughs> and some of us are Tommy. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it first to Joe. Yeah. So Mine is a poem by our thought mama, Sharon Olds, and she holds special significance to us thoughts because she was there at Tin House when we first met. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually goes out to my thoughts. It's a, it's kind of about, you know, chosen family. So it's from her book, Odes. It's gorgeous. It's called Ode to My Living Friends. What a lengthy gap there has been between deaths. It seems as if none of those closest to us has gone for what seems like months. For me, it's been so long that when I think of someone dying, I think of my mother or father, my fair years in and out of nothing, out of the temporary rich something they were made of. I have carried them with me, not like a partial twin in a sling in front of and against me, but in my body, in my brain cells. But you, my friends, my chosen and chosen by ones, I see you as built-in aspects of the earth, like elements, like members of the periodic table. I know we're mortal, 
the open door is there. But for weeks and weeks, I have forgotten that I'm going to lose every one of you until the ones who are left lose me. When I was a child, I could not have lost you. I didn't know that I would find you. I'm blessed that it will happen to me. Before it does, let me say, you were exactly who I'd been looking for without daring to imagine. Breast that presses against other breasts, it was you. Root of washed sweet flag, timorous pond snipe nest of guarded duplicate eggs, it was you. Hands I have taken, faces I have kissed, mortal I have ever touched, it was you. Bench uh, hater. So I have like all these I'm allergies. <laughs> I'm like, I need my Claritin. That's all. That's, that's, what, that's, that's all that is. That's what that was. Claritin. Sponsorship by Claritin. That's what that is. I'm. <laughs> Listen, we'll take Tommy's the point wherever we can. <laughs> I have to no, say, it's that like was beautiful. When you like see your like your teacher at the supermarket, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god, what do I do?" Yeah, don't fucking tell people that that happened. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that goes out to all of you in Radio Land. Don't you dare! Don't you dare! Um, Franella, uh, mine uh, is a piece written by the artist Zoe Leonard. Um, after it was in reaction to after Eileen Miles ran for president briefly Ooh. in 1992. Yes. Um, I did not know that was a thing. Yeah. And this was censored from Instagram, right? It's yep. been censored from Instagram on multiple different accounts. And to a point where it became like a thing where like everyone started posting Reposted. this exact um, version of this poem because it was, quote, like explicit content. I want a dyke for president. Mm. I want a person with AIDS for president. And I want a fag for vice president. And I want someone with no health insurance. And I want someone who grew up in a place where the earth was so saturated with toxic waste that they didn't have, didn't even have a choice about getting leukemia. I want a president that had an abortion at 16. And I want a candidate who isn't the lesser of two evils. And I want a president mm. who lost their last lover to AIDS, who still sees that in their eyes every time they lay down to rest, who held their lover in their arms and knew that they were dying. Mm-hmm. Mm. I want a president with no air conditioning, a president who has stood on the lo- in the line at the clinic, at the DMV, at the welfare office, and has been unemployed and laid off and sexually harassed and mm. gay bashed and deported. Mm. I want someone who has spent the night in the tombs and had a cross burned on their lawn and survived rape. I want someone who has been in love and been hurt, who respects sex, who has made mistakes and learned from them. I want a black woman for president. I want a president with bad teeth and an attitude. Someone who has eaten that nasty Ugh. hospital food. Someone who cross-dresses and has done drugs and has been in therapy. I want someone who has committed civil disobedience. And I want to know why this is impossible. I want to know why we started learning somewhere down the line that a president is always a clown, always a john and never a hooker, always a boss and never a worker, always a liar, always a thief and never caught. Mm. Mm. God, mm, mm, mm. Ugh. somehow very relatable uh, content in this year, twenty eighteen. Mm. Baby, God, I fucking love that poem. I also love Eileen Miles. She's incredible. Dennis, what you got for us today? So it was a really tough choice because I have these two poems that I love, but I'm going to put the other poem in our show notes so that um, it can go out to you. The poem that I'm going to read is a poem that I absolutely one hundred percent cannot quit. I cannot even fully put into words what this poem means to me, but it, it it's like a prayer to me. And it's called Someday I'll Love Ocean Vuong. Oh, this is... Oh. By Ocean Vuong. Mm. 
So shout good. out, baby. Ugh. After Frank O'Hara, after Roger Reeves. Ocean, don't be afraid. The end of the road is so far ahead, it is already behind us. Don't worry. Your father is only your father until one of you forgets. Like how the spine won't remember its wings, no matter how many times our knees kiss the pavement. Ocean, are you listening? The most beautiful part of your body is wherever your mother's shadow falls. Here's the house, with childhood whittled down to a single red tripwire. Don't worry. Just call it Horizon, and you'll never reach it. Here's today. Jump. I promise it's not a lifeboat. Here's the man whose arms are wide enough to gather your leaving. And here the moment, just after the lights go out, when you can still see the faint torch between his legs, how you use it again and again to find your own hands. You asked for a second chance and are given a mouth to empty into. Don't be afraid. The gunfire is only the sound of people trying to live a little longer. Ocean. Ocean, get up. The most beautiful part of your body is where it's headed. And remember, loneliness is still time spent with the world. Here's the room with everyone in it. Your dead friends passing through you like wind through a wind chime. Here's a desk with the gimp leg and a brick to make it last. Yes, here's a room so warm and blood close, I swear. You will wake and mistake these walls for skin. Mm. Wow! Fuck you, Ocean. Yeah, oh, wow! Get a, get I can't. Get the I fuck can't. Out. Everyone in the studio is crying. Joe's about to Joe give birth. Crying. <laughs> <laughs> no one is surprised that Joe is crying. <laughs> I just, I it's, it, I mean, it's, it's my okay for a poem. poem to defy defy explanation. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. okay yeah. for it to just have a feeling. It's okay for it to yeah. just affect you. That's yeah. enough. Speaking of feelings, Tommy. Tommy. <gasps> Poetry, aka poetry, is kind of your kind of your thing. <laughs> it's kind of your you. thing. What you got, girl? You know, I mean, like April's a really big month for me. I get a lot of money in April. <laughs> <laughs> Tax <laughs> refund. What? Um, that is poetry to the ears. So, I mean, my bank account is just like snapping to that one. <laughs> um, but my my poem my poem for. for for National Poetry Month is Bonnie Bramlett singing You Really Got a Hold on Me in Roseanne. <laughs> um, so Fuck off! So Bonnie Bramlett is a singer in Roseanne. She played this woman, Bonnie, who worked with Roseanne at, uh, at the restaurant she worked at. And there is a scene wherein, um, you know, Dan and Roseanne and their family and all their friends are outside in the back after, like, a cook-off singing. He's, like, playing guitar, and they're singing. They're like, um, what should we sing next? And he's like, how about you really got a hold on me? And so he's like, I don't like you, but I love you. And then um, Bonnie Bramlett is in the background. She, like, walks around the front, sits next to them on the... Um, on the picnic table and then in the second verse just goes the fuck in and her voice just like for it's like for all intents and purposes it's like people in a sitcom playing characters sitting on a soundstage uh in front of cameras but then bonnie starts singing and you got to know something about bonnie bramlett she was the only white i kept back in the day so she sang background for tina turner and Mm. And, like, you know, like, she toured with um, somebody from Crosby, Stills, and Nash, a bunch of other people. But then in, so in this, in this scene, 
it's like all of these actors preparing themselves for like a scene, right? The I, I can imagine that um, the the clackerboard goes, you know, you know, begin or whatever, and like the director's there, and like there are like hair and makeup people. There's like sound people. Like this is a stage, and people are watching them. And then Bonnie starts singing, and then one by one, as like the camera pans over uh, uh, John Goodman and Roseanne and whoever is playing Becky at that point, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah Gilbert and and the guy who plays the the little boy and like the grandma and the friends, like. All of a sudden, like you watch them stop being actors and they just start being people listening to this like magnanimous Mm. voice. And they just like cannot contain their human reaction to something that beautiful. And like, that's what a poem means to me in the sense that it like pierced through whatever barrier they had between themselves and experience. And it was just like it opened up the kingdom of her voice. And that's me and my National Poetry Month motherfucking bullshit. Take my $10, Tommy. (laughs) Can your bank account snap at that? (laughs) that, We'll put that in the show notes or whatever. Can't wait Uh, for like the Poetry Foundation to bring you on for a gig and you show up and then you just just play that YouTube clip (laughs) (laughs) and then you leave. But it's another one that I can't, I cannot watch that without crying. Every single motherfucking time. If I need to have a feeling, I just watch that video. Hi, everybody out there. Radio Land. Tommy. <laughs> we didn't know. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rose and our partnership with Into, an online magazine for queer news and culture. Head to intomore.com each week for a new postcard from the edge written by your favorite thoughts on a ledge. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> our engineer is Alex Mead Fox at Spaceman Sound Studios, and our producer is the liquor straight no chaser, Alexandra De Palma. <laughs> I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. Once again, I'm taking a sabbatical from the internet, but you can find Find the audio collection of my first poetry book, IRL, also produced by Alexander De Palma, on audible.com. Just go to audible.com and search for Tommy Pico. Yes, I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co. on any social media you want, and also Venmo. And I am Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. And I am Dennis Norris II, and I have a chat book out, which you can find at www.ostpress.com or at my website, www.dennisnorrisii.com. You can listen to Food for Thought on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download golden audio goodness. Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes to keep our train of thought on the rails, honey. <laughs> Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Food for Thought Pod and Instagram at Gay Sluts Who Read. Sign up for our newsletter for episode insights, reading lists, and uh, extra delectable <laughs> content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to thoughts 
at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four in thought spelled T H O T. Bye. See you next week. I love that on that song when she's like, um, uh, my career taking off, these hoes jogging in place, how these hoes run their mouth, how these hoes out of shape, what's with all the subs, bitch, I ain't Jared, if you really want some smoke, you can pull up, you can get it. <laughs> I need more wine. <laughs> Thanks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.